thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy and do it forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Praise God. Get right into our lesson. Pick up where we left off last week. We're talking about the purpose for our spiritual maturity. Amen. In 2 Peter 3.18, Peter tells us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be both glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow, 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 grow. So we're talking about the purpose for spiritual maturity. Amen. Because God wants us to be more like him. Amen. So that he can fulfill his purpose in our lives. So the fruits of the Spirit should be evident in our life. Amen. As you see there in your opening instructions in the page. Amen. And so we uh, last week was talking a little bit about the purpose of that. And we should be growing. Every year that God lets us live, we should be growing spiritually the same as we are growing naturally. Amen. And so and this is what God wants. Amen. We does to go on to perfection and he wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. Amen. And so we want to look at uh so many things we need to grow in. Amen. And uh we was talking about a lack of of growth, amen, and and stagnant and being stagnant, we should be moving forward. Amen. We talked about complacency is never an intention. It just creeps up on us if we're not careful. We're not there yet. Paul says, brethren, I count myself not to apprehend, but this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forth to those things which are before me. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. In Christ Jesus, he told the church at Galatia, he says, you ran well, but who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Amen. He says, but I am persuaded. Amen. Paul was persuaded, he said, that you would be otherwise minded. In other words, you will have a mind different so that you don't walk in the flesh, but you walk in the spirit. Amen. And this is what he goes on in Galatians 5 at the end there after he talks about the fruit of the spirit. He says, they that are Christ's has crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. He says, if we live in the spirit, let's walk in the spirit. Amen. So we got to grow. We, we've got to mature. And so Paul says at the time we ought to be teachers, we have need that others teach us again, which becomes the first principle. The basic things should be known by us. We should know uh, these things. These things should be developed in us. And, and we need to grow. We, we need to mature uh, in Christ because if not, we can get into uh, false doctrine. We can get into false teaching. We can get into things that might seem real but be totally false and cause us to lose out. We should be operating in the gifts of the Spirit. The draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to us. Resist the devil, he will flee. God will begin to impart to us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And you remember last month we was talking about the purpose for wisdom. And Solomon tells us when wisdom is, is, is in our heart and understanding is present what will happen discretion will will preserve us discretion will keep us we'll have the knowledge and the wisdom so that we know how to act appropriate and act right so that we don't keep following up and making bad mistakes and bad choices as children of god we want to represent christ in in everything that we do 
Amen. So we want to go on now to point one. We was talking point one a little bit last week. Amen. A purpose for spiritual growth is so you can teach others. Amen. You should be at a point in your life that you are able to teach. Uh, when people, parents get married or, or adults get married, should I say, they are at a point that now uh, should be at a point that when they birth children, they has to be able to teach these children. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he wouldn't depart from. I was driving down the road the other day, and I heard a, a guy, he was talking about that past description, and it was like, wow, it really was what he said was kind of like a, a shocker, because he said in the Hebrews, that scripture really meant that it's kind of like a twist that if you train up a child in the way he should go based on the word of God, that the word of God will never depart from him not he depart from the word the word would never depart from him it will always be there and this is a lot of times why when people backslide they will tell you they would always had a relations they felt god was always there was there i can remember this young girl telling us in uh, uh tennessee or hawaii she was in hawaii excuse me and she was says the whole time she was backslidden she just couldn't get away from the Word of God. She would pray, leave me alone, because all of her life as a kid, from a little kid, she was in Bible quizzing. And she had learned so much Scripture that it just wouldn't leave her alone. It just kept nagging at her and nagging at her until she made up her mind, I need to go back to church. Amen. And so this should be... Our, you know, how we grow. We got to grow in the Word of God. We should grow in those things that, uh, we learn from the basics. We have to know why we're doing what we're doing so we're ready, as Peter said, to give an account or an answer to everyone that asks you the hope is in you. In other words, what he is saying, you need to be ready to teach people why you believe what you believe. As apostolics, we should all know the basic doctrine. You know, is in the manuals, is in the magazines that comes out from headquarters every every month. You know, we should be putting that in our hearts and studying the scriptures, the tracks and things back there. You know, we should be studying that that hundred questions on the Godhead so that we can explain the oneness of God. We should be able to know where things are in the Bible. Amen. We should be able to spend that time to build that quality relationship because somebody's going to ask you. Amen. And you need to be ready to impart the teach here. Paul told Timothy in Second Timothy chapter two. Verse 1 and 2, amen, if you want to get your Bibles and go there again tonight, we want to look at this, amen. So three ways to teach others, we tell them, we tell them what we've told them, and we tell them again, we show them, we show them what we've already shown them, and we're going to show them again. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, amen, be strong. Amen. Get rooted, get grounded in the grace, amen, of God. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the thing commit thou to faithful men, that they may be able to teach others also. Amen. If you train your children up right to teach them the knowledge of the truth, when they grow up and get married, they will have the same abilities and knowledge to teach their children. 
One generation shall declare to the next generations the glory of God. Moses told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 6 and 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and these words which I command thee this day must be hidden in your heart, and you must teach them diligently to your children. Amen. They had the responsibility to teach these things to your children. Amen. So the purpose for spiritual maturity is to be able to teach others. Amen. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 5, 1 John chapter 1 verse 5, John says, this is the message. Amen. He says, here's the message which we have heard of him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Amen. So John says, here's the message. He's already told them before that God was light. When you go back to the Gospel of John, in John 1 verse 4, he says, you know, he was, in him was light, and the light was the life of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Amen. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, the same cared to bear witness of the light, that true light which light every man to come in the world. So he had already told them. And then in the third chapter, when he's talking about Nicodemus, he brings out about the light again. In the eighth chapter, in verse 12, he brings out about the light again. You know, he says, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that follow me shall not walk in darkness, shall have the light of life. You know, so throughout the whole gospel, John is saying, I'm trying to show you here that God is light. And now he gets over in the epistle and he tries, he brings it back. He says, here's the message that I told you before, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. See, because he's trying to say God is light. So if we are in him then we should be children of the day. We are the children of the light. We're not of darkness. We are the light. So we've got to be able to teach these things. Amen. These qualities are attributes of God. We must be able to teach them. Amen. You hear me sometimes quoting things from A to Z. You know, he's the Almighty. We've got to be able to bring those things out to teach, to show others. Because we're mature. See, we've got the Spirit, and so therefore we need to be growing in these things. We've got to know these things so that when somebody says, what does that mean when they say he's the light? What does that mean he's the bread of life? You need to be able to flip that book, amen, and says, here's what it means. This is what it's talking about. When he's the comforter, how did that apply? All these things you've got to be ready to teach, amen. Because this is showing that you are spiritually matured. Amen. You know, I'm afraid our nation is trying to make fifth graders teachers. You know, they, they keep saying, you know, you're smarter than a fifth grader, right? You know, so, so what they're trying to do is put kids as teachers and make adults look like fools. So we've got to grow. You know, we've got to grow. We've got to learn. Amen. Now, in Acts chapter 28, verse 30 and 31, notice Paul spent, what, two whole years in his own hard house receiving all them that came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern 
the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. See, you want your confidence to be there. You, and that comes through your study. This comes through your applying yourself to learn the Word of God. You have to study, as Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.15, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. You, you want to study. You want to spend that quality time and build your relationships with God so that you are able to teach others. Tell them, amen, what the word of God says, and then tell them again what you've already told them. Paul says in Romans 10, verse 13 through 17, Romans 10, 13 through 17, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall what? Be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Amen. See, and how shall they preach them? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Right? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Notice, Paul is saying they've got to have somebody to teach them. They've got to have somebody to show them, someone to, to present them the gospel. You see, so that they can believe and hear and understand. And then they will begin to grow. So we are to teach. Jesus told us in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He says, go ye therefore and jump off the cliff. (laughs) He says, no, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And he comes right back again and says, what? Teach. Verse 20. Amen. And in verse 20, he says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. So you got to tell them. Teach them. Teach them, teach them, teach them. Amen. Say, teach them. Teach them. Amen. Mark sixteen fifteen. Go you therefore and... <laughs> Preach. <laughs> Go you therefore and preach the gospel. In other words, teach it, preach it to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. These sons shall fall believe my name is cast out devil. Amen. We've got to teach this thing. But mature people, see, those that know. And this is what Paul is saying. You know, in the military, that's why they don't just take a private off the street and make him a drill sergeant. He's got to have some experiences. He's got to have some wisdom and knowledge about what he's doing and what he's teaching so that he knows. So he's imparting truth and doctrine. That's what drill sergeants do. They impart doctrine. That's what pastors do. They impart doctrine and understanding. That's what teachers do. This is what apostles do, evangelists do. They impart doctrine and truth. To enhance what you already know. See? It's the confirmation. is what you want to do. And this is why mature Christians teach Bible study. 
You want to be able to impart. You want to study to your own self. Amen. To be ready to give an account here. Amen. So you tell people. Tell them what you've already told them. Luke 24, verse 44. Jesus began to tell them. Amen. In Luke 24, verse 44. He says, and he said to them. Notice, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. See, it already told them once. See? And this is kind of like that repetition thing of teaching. Most of us has heard scriptures of Acts 2.38 ever since we've been in the church. It's pounded, right? And so we should know it by, by verbatim and heart and how it applies to the gospel. So Jesus said, these are the words that I spake to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which was spoken uh, or written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms uh, concerning me. Then what did he do? He opened their understanding that they might understand the scripture. And he said unto them, does it behoove Christ to suffer and raise the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sin must be preached in his name against all nations beginning at Jerusalem and you are what the witness of these things see in other words you know it now see he says I told you before now I'm telling you again so that you got it I've already told you now this I'm going to bring it back to you again so that you get it, so you're ready. Because remember, you're going to be my witnesses. See? So you get it two times. Now notice here, the third time, he tells them again. Acts 1, 4 and 8. 4, amen. And these are the words. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And begin to assemble together with them, command them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise which you said, you've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And he commanded them, you know, to tarry there. And, you know, they asked, you're going to restore the kingdom of God. It's not for you to know the time of the season which the Father's put his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the whole earth. Amen. All right, so he tells them again exactly what he needed to know. In Mark chapter 7, Mark chapter 7, verse 14. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said to them, Hearken ye unto me, every one of you, and understand. Verse 15. There is nothing for thou a man that entered into him that can defile him, but the things which come out of him... These are the things that defile a man, verse 16. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear, verse 17. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said unto them, Are you yet without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever things from without entered into a man cannot defile him? See, notice, he's giving them understanding. He's telling them. He's telling them again, amen, so that they can get it, amen. So this is how you prepare yourself to teach others, amen. Praise God, amen. He showed them in John 6, 1 through 13, John chapter 6, verse 1 through 13. 
And these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover feast of Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming unto him, which he said to Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this says to what? Go and test him. See what he's going to do. In other words, I'm going to see if you got it. That's what he's saying to us. See, he's showing them, and he's showing them what he's going to do. See, he's bringing them enlightenment. See, every so often to see where you are, Christ will test you. (laughs) Test your metal. That's a military term I haven't heard in a while. You know, he will. He will test you to see where you are. Sometimes your trial might be God saying, let me see where you are now. See, are you getting what I've told you already, what I've showed you? So he said to Philip, where are we going to get bread to feed all these guys? And, and, he, and he, he said, did this to prove him because he already knew what, what he's going to do. See? See if you've been paying attention in class. <laughs> That's, yeah. See, this is what God, God is trying to get them to see. He wanted them to see what they were going to do. See? And this is the thing we have to get to that point in our lives that when we're going through things is to not look at the surrounding, but what should we do? Amen. How should we apply ourselves in the situations we are in? You know, you tell us most military guys, you suddenly see a brilliant flash of light, execute. <laughs> most of them are going to tell you they're going to hit the ground quick because it means a nuclear explosion. <laughs> you know, that's what they tell you. You know, you got split second to hit the ground, get down as quickly as possible, you know. And they put you to the test. They test you, test you, test you. Amen. You know, are you, are you walking on a trail and all of a sudden a, a gas grenade go off? You know, you got you, somebody holler gas. You got nine seconds to get that protective mask on because you've trained, you've trained, you've trained, you've trained, you know, to do that. And this is what Jesus was doing to his guys. When you study the Gospels, he taught them. He told them what he told them. And he told them again. Then he showed them. He showed them what he showed them. And he showed them again. Amen. So notice what he did here. Amen. Mark, I meant Matthew 16, verse 9 through 12. Do you not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves and the five thousand? And how many baskets did you take up? Or neither the seven loaves and the 4,000, how many baskets you took up? (laughs) How is it, he says here, that you don't understand that I'm not speaking concerning bread? 
that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Verse 12, then understand they how you baited them not. Beware of the leaven of the bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In other words, they thought he was teaching about, they was uh, fearful because, they, oh, man, we didn't bring anything to eat. You know, he said, I'm not talking about that. I'm telling you, beware of their teachings and their doctrine. See, he brings them right back and show them again and teach them again so that they have the understanding of what they have already been shown and already been taught. Amen. John 20, verse 24 through 29. And we know this deal with the resurrection. He's already told them that he was going to resurrect. Amen. And John chapter 20, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Verse 25. The other disciples therefore said, hey, we've seen the Lord. But he said, except I see him in his hands and put the prince of the nail and put my finger in the prince of the nail and thrust my hand in his side. I will not believe. And after eight days, Jesus shows up. That eight day is something, isn't it? See, eight days. Uh, <laughs> what happened on the eighth day? Circumcision, right? You couldn't go to the temple until the eighth day. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Eight day. After eight days, his disciples were in Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, shut the door, door being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you cats. <laughs> then said he to Thomas, Reach here to your finger, and behold my hand. And reach here to thy hand, and thrust my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And he said, Thomas answered, Lord, but my Lord and my God. He says, Thomas, because you have seen, you believe. But blessed are they that have not seen yet believe. Amen. So he showed him again. Amen. And Paul would later write to the church at Corinth that he was seen of over 500. You know, he showed himself to them again. He had already explained to them and told them that he would rise but he wanted them to see that it had actually take place because they would have to preach the gospel because the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So an example of a mature Christian is those are, that are able to teach with understanding the truth and the gospel and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. Number two. Amen. Part of your spiritual maturity is that of a godly example. A godly example. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, 
that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear him. Amen. So notice he calls for him to be a godly example, be an example of the believer. And mature Christians are to be examples of believers, to be an example of a Christian. What is the example of a Christian? What is a good example of a Christian? What you say, what you speak, amen. Amen. Now, I, I put here three, maintaining three godly examples, three ways to maintain godly Watch your words, right? Amen. We know that Proverbs tell us, amen, Proverbs eighteen twenty one tell us that life and death or death and life is in the power of the tongue. Amen. You have to now learn to choose your words carefully. James tells us in James 1.19, he said, let every man be quick to hear and slow to speak. We have to learn how to brattle this thing <laughs> called the tongue. James says in James 3 that the tongue is a little member, but it what? Has set on course that the forces of hell, amen? The fires of hell, he said. So we have to learn how to choose our words carefully now. We have to have that wisdom and knowledge of God that we talked about last month, how we begin to disciple what is being said. We've got to get out of the mindset that I've got to get out what I want to say, Right now, if somebody is saying something, I've got to get away from, I need my input put in it. Okay? I have to learn how to control my words. Sometimes God might give us things to say, but it might not be at the appropriate time. Amen. You know, God might tell you something that you need to say to Sister Bell. But it might not be the appropriate time right now to say what she needs to hear if 15 people is around her. You know, you've got to have wisdom and knowledge and understanding to present it at the appropriate time. 19 people don't need to hear what God is telling you to tell her. See? So you have to have wisdom about some of these things. You have to have the maturity level is to not get in an argument with your spouse <laughs> out in public. Yelling and screaming and hollering at your children in public. You know, you're going to have to learn how to control your words. Amen. These are things that begin to develop in you as a mature person, as a mature Christian. Learning when to speak and when not to speak. Amen. Don't tell all your secrets. <laughs> Don't tell your whole life story. <laughs> you know, if it's not appropriate. Learn these things as you grow and mature. Amen. Ecclesiastics 5.2. Notice what Solomon says there in Ecclesiastics 5.2. He says, let your words be what? Few. Amen. Hey, it's snowing out there, huh? Sound like sleep. <laughs> nah, it's just rain beating against the window. God's trying to wet you down so you can grow. 
Amen. But we have to learn. We have to. We have to know how to use words appropriate. Amen. A lot of times when people are asking questions, you know, how many times have you talked into his marvelous light? And the first thing you tell people is save your questions to the end, right? Because a lot of times you know the word is going to answer basically what their questions is going to be. And so you want the word to speak, you know. So as we mature into things, we have to learn how to use both of these a whole lot more than this thing right here. Because this can get us in a lot of trouble. You know, as the old saying in the military, loose lips sink ships. And that, that terminology came about because in World War II, a lot of people would tell their families and they get on the telephone and start calling no so-and-so and say, well, Johnny's on ship so-and-so and they're going to port so-and-so. Well, if the enemy picked that up, they knew the route. They could torpedo that ship and take it out. And that's where that terminology came from, loose lips can sink ships. Amen. And it's the same way. Loose lips can sink you. <laughs> so, so you have to make sure you choose your words very carefully. We are to be godly examples here. Amen. Amen. See, so we, if we say that we are Christians, then our Christianity always start in the home. Does your family know you are a true Christian? Do they see you as something totally different inside of your house? See, we have to be examples. When someone see you, do they recognize you as a Christian? Or do they just recognize you as someone else? See? We've got to be those godly examples. This is what Paul is saying. If we live in the Spirit, let's walk in the Spirit. Amen. We've got to walk that way. Amen. We should be the best at what we do as Christians. See, the example. Jesus says what? Let your light shine. That men will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. We've got to set that example. And this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. Be an example of the believer in your word. Notice the next he says, in your conversation. Or watch your behavior. How do you act? How do you conduct yourself? The psalmist says in Psalms 102 verse 1 verse 2, he says, I will behave myself in a perfect manner, in a perfect way. My conduct, my actions should be of the utmost. How I conduct myself, how I carry myself, how I present myself, how I present my family, how I present my children, how I present my church should always be a godly example to others. Amen. You know, I can remember one day we were out there at Old Country Buffet and this guy came up to me and he says, I want you to know I have not seen children like that in a long time. 
because usually kids are turning the place up, <laughs> you know, and, and OCB. But our grandkids was being good that day, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but it, but it was it was it was pleasing. To, you know, he didn't know me. He did, and and I, today I don't know how he knew I was. They, they was with us, you know. But <laughs> I know maybe. <laughs> but but that should be what people are saying. You know, that that should be what they're saying. They should be able to determine. Amen. And all this comes from us being godly examples. You know, we are more example by what? Our actions than our words. You know, actions, those things speak louder than words. How we conduct ourselves. Amen. A godly, godly behavior. Amen. Here is what we should be looking at. Each and every day, our actions, how we behave, how we conduct ourselves on a continual basis. The New Living Translation put this scripture this way. I will be careful to live a blameless life. I will be careful to live a blameless life. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. Behind closed doors, what are you? Because the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, beholding the evil and the good. See? So what you do behind those closed doors, God is looking. Amen. He goes on and say, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. This is all from the New Living Translation. I'm, I'm just breaking pieces out of this passage of scripture I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar amen being a good example always start with us be an example of the believer amen behavior Galatians 3 verse 1 through 3 Paul says to, to the church of Galatia you know O foolish Galatian, who have bewitched you that you should not what? Obey the truth for whose eyes Jesus Christ been evident, set forth, crucified among you. You know, and he goes on, he says, This only what I learned, you received the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? No. We gotta walk in the spirit. We gotta be godly examples. We gotta walk in the spirit. Our behavior. Amen. Ephesians 5, 3 through 4. Paul tells the church at Ephesus, you know, he says, Be ye therefore followers as God is dear children, walk in love as Christ has loved us and gave himself as an offering, a sacrifice, and sweet smelling Savior. He says, But fornication and all uncleanliness and all covetousness, let it not be once named amongst you as becoming what? Saints. Amen. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which is not convenient, but rather giving up thanks. For you know that no homemonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an adult have inheritance in the kingdom of Christ in God. See? See, our behavior, 
This is what Paul goes on and tells the church at Corinthians in 1 Corinthians. He said, don't you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He said, be not deceived. He brings these same points out again. See, because we are mature now. Old things are passed away. And a man being Christ, he's what? He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. See, so as a mature Christian, we have got to be able to stand above in our behavior, above these things, so that we can teach others. See, so when the new believers start coming in, when we start to talk to them and showing them the right way, when they come and talk to us about certain things, we have the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding of how to be, do, do what is we learn, present the truth in love. Because what we find is a lot of people, when they come into the church, you and me came in the church with a, I don't know about you, but I felt like a carpetbagger. I had so much junk from my past life. See, and if people didn't use wisdom, they could have blew me out the water. One guy almost did. I mean, one guy almost made me leave the church because he told me that I would never be accepted because I was interracially married. He did not use wisdom. If it hadn't been for my pastor, because I went to my pastor and I asked him, I said, is this a true statement? And he says, no. You know, and 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 as a result, you know, if my pastor hadn't had some wisdom, you know, but see, we, and that's the sign of an immature Christian. See, we have to be able to present the truth in love to bring people into an understanding of what God's word really says. Because today's world that we're living in, we know a lot of people are living together, not married. We know a lot of people is fornicating. We know a lot of people's on drugs. We know a lot of people has got all these issues. We've been there ourselves to some degree. So, but now, as we have matured in Christ and we have the knowledge and the understanding of God's word, now we must present this truth in love so that they can see, so that they understand why, hey, I need to marry you <laughs> we, because we are wrong, you know, in this way. Or we need to separate until we are at that point to where we can get, get it right. But we have to do it all in love, see. And this is where our wisdom kicks back in again and our behavior and our teaching here so that they understand. Amen. Number C, we got to watch yourself. Watch yourself. Amen. Notice here what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 through 6. Amen. He says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own self. Know you not your own self, how that Christ is in you, except you be a reprobate. But I trust that you know you're not a reprobate. Amen. Do you know what the first step is to becoming a reprobate? Self-justification. First step to becoming a reprobate. Self-justification. You want to justify yourself. 
And that's what a lot of people do, is they want to justify why they want to do wrong. You know, that's just like a lot of people like to take John chapter 2. And if you ever notice most people that drink when they come to church, what do they want to always have you do? They always want to talk about Jesus turning the water into wine, don't they? That's, that's the first thing they always want to talk about. That scripture is more packed than just turning water into wine. It's a spiritual application. See, I don't have time tonight to sit here and, and bring it all out. Hey, but you can look at that and you can see it's all spiritual application there. You know, but people want to use that to justify drinking. They don't want to hear all the other scriptures about wine is a mocker and strong drink is rage and they that deceive their is not wine. Who have sorrow, who have woe. See, but see, we have to have wisdom to teach them so that they can understand and get an understanding. Amen. So we don't want to self-judge. You remember the lawyer when he asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus told him. And then he says, you know, the Bible says he wanted to justify himself. See? And as a result, you know, Jesus explained to him, and then he told him, go do likewise. See? If God's word tells us something, we don't need justification. You know, this is what James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. A sure sign of people that want to compromise truth is they want to justify themselves. Well, everybody else is doing it. How many of you had your kids come home and say, well, Johnny's mom let him do that? I remember my mother used to say, I don't care what their mothers do. You know, you're mine. I told you. <laughs> and I've got many sticks because of the fact of the matter. I told you. You know, I don't care if their parents don't think they're mine. You do what I told you. Amen. So we have to watch ourselves and, and our actions and what we do. Amen. We have to have the wisdom and knowledge, amen, so that we can teach people. And this, we have to watch ourselves because people are watching us. We plant a glass house. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And there are going to be some stones thrown at your glass house. You know, but we have to make sure that we're watching ourselves. First Corinthians sixteen thirteen, Paul says, watch you. Quit you like men. Be strong. Amen. Watch yourself. Jesus told Peter what? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch you. Keep an eye on you. You know, the best example, examiner of your life, Here it is. You're holding it. This thing will keep you right if you obey it. That's why the Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Taking heed to the word of God. This is our yardstick. This is make sure we're staying on track and doing the right thing. This helps us to make sure that we are observing and watching ourselves. That word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against you. Watch you. Be strong. You watch you. Your conduct, your actions. Look in the mirror. Pray. Ask God. He'll tell you if you're not right. 
He will. He'll spank you. I've been spanked by God before. Oh, me love you chasing it, right? Amen. So watch yourself. Watch your words. Watch your behavior. Amen. Watch how you're conducting yourself. You know, watch those complacency things. Now, I try to tell people all the time, you start missing church pretty soon, it's going to just be a habit. You know, and, it, and it'll be easy. And the next thing you know, you'll be a reprobate. Because you'll start wanting to justify why you're missing. It'll be easy. It'll be easy. It'll be easy. Oh, I was tired. Yeah, okay. Come on. Yep. You know, the kids was messing up. The kids are this. So you, you just keep going on and on. And you find excuses to justify. And the next thing you know, you're so far away and you can't get back. You know, so we have to watch ourselves. Make sure, amen, that we don't get ourselves too far away. Watch you. Quit you like men. You know, act like men, right? Now, ladies, act like ladies. <laughs> amen. Act like women. <laughs> I li- Stand firm. This is what this is saying. Stand firm. Amen. Be able to take, like, Timex, a licking, and keep on ticking. You know? You got to be able to stand firm on the truth of God's word, no matter what's coming against you. Amen. Be able to stand. Amen. Quit you like men. Don't get that femininity stuff. That's right. Get that femininity out of your life. Amen. Praise God. And this is what we want to do is we want to be godly examples. Amen. We have to watch ourselves. We have to be careful. Amen. We can't allow pride to get into our lives. Why is there so many scriptures about pride? God hates pride. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Amen. A man's pride shall bring him low. Amen. Only by pride comes contention. Notice all these scriptures. This is why we got to watch ourselves. We, you know, it's easy if we're not careful that somebody can start elevating us and we can get a prideful spirit. And as a result of that, you know, we'll come down quick. You know, maybe David got so elevated by them singing songs about Saul has killed this thousand, David killed this ten thousand, and David slew Goliath, and David, 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 that David got to a point in his life that he felt like, oh man, look at me. I can have anything I want. And then all of a sudden he makes a mistake in a wrong era. We have to be real careful Spiritual maturity causes us to watch ourselves. You know, we are to exalt God, you know, and to give him the praise. You know, this is one of the reasons Jesus says, if you bid it to a, a dinner, he says, don't you go run into the head of the table. He says, you sit at the end, you know, and let them bid you. Unless you go to the head and somebody more honorable comes in, they tell you to get up and move down there, you know. And so we have to be careful. We can't allow pride to get into our hearts. Amen. And so we got to watch you act like men. Amen. Be strong. Watch your steps so that you don't stumble. Stand firm on the rock and on the truth of God's word. Praise God. Watch your words. Watch your behavior. Because you are a godly example 
others to emulate. You are influencing people one way or another. Amen. Praise God. We've got to be godly, godly examples. We've got to grow here. Amen. And one of the things you find out in your godly example is your prayer life. You know, every time you come to church, you shouldn't have to come to this altar. As a mature Christian, you are supposed to have a relationship with God to where you take care of matters before you ever get there. See, when you as a mature Christian come to church, you know, granted sometimes, you know, you may have an issue or something you've been dealing with and God may touch you with it. But you should still know how to get a hold of God even in the service to correct that thing. This should be for the sinner. And you as a mature Christian should be at a point when the sinner comes that you come along beside them to pray with them, to encourage them, and to strengthen them so that they will learn how to grow with God. You shouldn't have to come to the altar every service. That should be for the sinner. You are mature to where your prayer life is intact. Your walk with God is intact to where you can go to God at your house. You can go to God in your car. You can go to God on your job, amen, to get these things right, amen. The altar need to be left for the sinner. If all the saints of God is at the altar (laughs) and the sinner is back there, he's going, oh, my goodness, I thought they was all saved, you know, (laughs) We got to get it right. We we've got to we've got to be that example, Amen, of how to mature so that they can grow, Amen, in Christ. Now, granted, I know sometimes we may teach that you know you should come to the altar so others should come too, but we need to grow and mature in these things for ourselves, Amen. We need to have that relationship with God. So that we're good to go. Amen. So let's mature. Let's grow in the things of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Next week we're going to be talking about putting away 